can open up to Daniel chapter 1. And while you guys turn there, I want to explain a little bit of the reasoning behind why we're looking at this tonight. So about four months ago, Andy, JBI started, maybe a little bit less. And so I was blessed to be able to go into the Bible Institute, our church's Bible Institute, with Andy. And the first class we actually started taking was Daniel. And so over the last about 14 weeks, um, Stephen's been teaching, which many of you guys know Stephen, through Daniel. And God has really been challenging me on a lot of things. And so tonight, when we go through Daniel, as it's been a challenge to me, I also want to challenge you guys. But the reason why we're going to do chapter 1 is because I don't know if there's any chapter in the Bible that relates more to high schoolers than Daniel chapter 1. And we'll go through that tonight, and you guys will see. But if you guys are in Daniel 1, before we start reading, on your guys' study sheets, the title is World Changers. And by way of introduction, I'll start out by reading the first paragraph. So it says, Tonight we're going to be looking at a high schooler who changed the world. This young man was only 17 years old. We'll get to that in a little bit. The world threw everything it could at him, but he never wavered. So what will it take for us to be like this young man, and how can we change the world? So you guys are in Daniel chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1 and go through verse 8, if you'll follow along with me. Verse 1 says, And in the third year the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. Verse 2, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning and knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Verse 5, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. In verse 8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Let's pray, and then we'll get into things. So, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you for tonight. Um, Lord, thank you that you gave me the opportunity to teach tonight while Corey's gone. Uh, but God, I pray you take me completely out of the way. Lord, I pray that this chapter, as we go through it, um, Lord, that everybody learns something, that we have soft hearts. But more importantly, that if we learn something, that we would go and apply it to our lives, that we would actually change, as we'll see tonight. Uh, Lord, so we just love you, and we thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we got a lot to get through tonight. Um, I'm going to try not to go too long, but let's just start things right off in point number one. So point number one is the world is going to try everything it can to change you. And as we go throughout tonight, we're going to look at the how and the why the world is going to try to change us. But I think too often we go about our everyday lives not even being aware of the fact that the world is actually trying to change us. 
And so go ahead back, look in Daniel 1 again. Look in verse 1. So in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. So this is the context of Daniel 1. Israel and Judah have now been besieged. They're about to be conquered by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. But notice in verse 2, it starts out and says, The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. And this leads us to your first sub-point under point number one. God will allow you to be attacked by the world. Right? We're, we live in the world. Every day you guys are going to school. You might have jobs, maybe even in your family life, through TV, through social media, through the music we listen to. We're living in the world. The world is affecting us. And we need to be aware of that. But why would God allow us to be attacked by the world? Right? We suffer persecution as Christians. We suffer temptations. We suffer trials, as First Peter 4.12 says, 12 through 14 up on the screen. It says, Beloved, so Peter's talking to Christians, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be... Ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happier ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. So fiery trials are going to come our way, persecutions and temptations. And could I actually get one volunteer to turn to Proverbs chapter 17? Kendall, go ahead, turn there and turn to verse 3. But we need to be aware of this. Right? Too often, we live our lives not thinking about going through every day, okay, how was I actually changed? How was I different today than I was yesterday? Was I closer to God, or was I more like this world? Did the trials I go through, or the persecutions, did they bring me closer to Christ, or did I become conformed to this world more? And we're going to go through these temptations every day, and you guys know this. Right? School, you guys go through temptations at school, and the things that they're teaching you at school. They're constantly throwing worldly things, sinful things, in your guys' faces. And we'll get into that more tonight. But I love one of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It's one of my favorite Bible verses in the whole Bible. It says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Temptations coming our way from this world, but God is faithful. This world is never going to be too much for us as long as we're walking with Him. Kendall, you're in Proverbs 17.3. Go ahead and read it. The binding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tried the hearts. Okay, so why does God allow us to get attacked? Because He's trying our hearts. Right? Daniel didn't really deserve to be thrown into the situation that he was in in chapter 1. Now, Israel as a nation was in sin, and so was Judah. And that's why God allowed Babylon to conquer them. But Daniel was a righteous man. He was a righteous kid. Did he really deserve to have his whole world changed? No. And yet, as we'll see later in the chapter, it brought glory to God. It showed where his heart was. Right? When we go to school every day, when we go through circumstances at work or in our family, or whatever circumstance you're going through, and you're thinking, all right, man, why am I going through this? Or how is it affecting me? Is it revealing where your heart's at? And we're going to see throughout tonight a common theme, heart, 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 and heart. If there's anything I want you guys to take away from tonight, it's where is your heart at? 
And this leads us to point number two, right? So we're in this world, not of it. Can I get two volunteers, one to turn to 1 John 2.15, Isabella, and one to turn to James 4.4, 4. AJ. So we know the world is going to attack us, and God is going to allow it because it reveals where our heart is at. But we need to remember these two things before we look at how the world is going to try to change us. We need to remember that we're in the world, not of it. Everybody else, well, AJ and Isabella are turning to their verses. Everybody else turn to John chapter 17. So John chapter 17 is Jesus' final words to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And I think of this chapter in really 13 through 18, but if they're Jesus' final words to his disciples, man, we need to be paying attention. Final words are important in the Bible. So if you guys are in John 17, we're going to start out in verse 13. It says, And now come I to thee, this is Jesus speaking, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word. He's talking to God the Father, referring to the disciples and his followers. And the world hath hated them. Right? This world is going to hate us. It hates Christians and wants to change us. Pick back up in verse 14. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. If you're saved in this room today, you're not of this world. You're just in it. Verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou, that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through thy truth. Neither pray I for these alone, talking about his disciples, but for them also which shall believe on me through their name. That's through their word. That's us. So the world's going to try to change us. We need to remember that we're not of this world. We're just in it. But we're in it for a reason. Jesus prayed to keep us in this world. Why? Because we have a mission. We have to have that on the forefront of our minds every day you guys are going to school. We have a mission to bring glory to God, and this world is going to try to stop us. We have to remember we're not of the world, though. We can't let it change us. AJ, you, or no, Isabel, you had 1 John 2.15, right? Go ahead and read it. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You guys have been going through Romans, and there's a phrase that Corey keeps on hitting on over and over again. It's in who? In Christ, right? If you're saved in this room today, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you're in Christ. You're not of this world. But you can be in Christ positionally, as Corey talked about probably several weeks ago. Right? That's salvation. And praise the Lord that we can never be brought out of that position. But practically, every day, we have a choice to live like the world and adapt to the things of the world or adapt to Christ and live like Jesus. Are we going to love the world or are we going to love Christ? AJ, go ahead and read James 4.4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Hmm. When you guys go to school every day, are you a friend of the world or are you a friend of God? Practically, every day are you living in Christ 
or are you being his enemy daily by not obeying him? And then this leads us to our third sub-point. Don't return to bondage. Bondage is your guys' blank. Um, everybody turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And this is the last place we'll turn before we go back to Daniel. But while you guys turn there, I want to put up verses on the screen that are probably very familiar to you guys because they were grounded ministries memory verses. It's Colossians 2, 6 through 8. Now you guys are, should be pretty familiar with 6 and 7. It says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. If there's anybody in this room today that hasn't received Christ Jesus the Lord as their Savior, and maybe you've never heard the term salvation or getting saved. Now I've seen most of you guys. But before we continue any further, the world's going to try to change you, but it doesn't have to if you're not in Christ. You're already of the world, like we looked at in John. So if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't leave today without talking to me or one of the leaders. But if you have, what's the result? So walk ye in Him. We need to be walking with God every day so we're not like the world. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. But notice the next verse. Beware. Be aware. Right? You're in Christ. You're saved. You should be walking with Him. But be aware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. This is the challenge that all of us face every day as Christians. This world is coming after us, and we need to be aware of it. And instead of chasing the principles of the world, whether it's the things they teach you at school, whether it's evolution, or sexual perversion, or things on social media that we see every day, or the TV that we watch, are we going after those things and being deceived, or are we going after Christ? Now you guys turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And if you're saved, why go back to the world? Why return to bondage? Look at me in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, And you hath he quickened, referring to Jesus. Jesus has made us alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we also had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Everybody in this room, whether lost or saved, has been of the world at some point in our lives. But if we're in Christ now and we've received Him, why in the world do we want to go back every single day? Right? And it's going to be tough. The world tempts us, like we looked at. The world's going to try to change us. And God's going to allow it. But what are we actually going to do? And I think back to when I was in high school and how tough it was because the world wears on you. Right? Every day at school, you guys are around hundreds of lost kids that are like this world. And does it wear on any of you guys? Do any of you guys ever feel bogged down going to school? Man, like, man, I'm just not around godly people, and it wears on us. The temptations wear on us, yet why go back? Why return to bondage? Then look at verse 4. Right, we were all part of this world at one point, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in, trust, in dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved. 
but God. Right? God is faithful that we can come overcome any temptation. But God, His mercy and His love should comfort us so that when we go to school every day, or you're at home, or wherever you're at, or whatever situation you're in, you know that this world is trying to change you, as we saw in Colossians 2. But we can have encouragement and know, hey, through God's love and His mercy and His faithfulness, I can overcome this. Now, up on the screen, go ahead and look at Galatians 5.1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Why go back to sin? Why go back to the world? It wears on us. Jesus' burden is light and His yoke is easy. Why do we struggle every day to go back to this world instead of just being in Christ? Romans 6, 15, you guys looked at this verse about two months ago. It says, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Right? Daniel, his world was completely changed. And go ahead, turn back to Daniel chapter 1. And yet, as we'll see his response, even though the world was trying to change him, he didn't return to sin. And we can't afford to return to sin either. Why go back? And this leads us to point number two. So we know the world is going to try to change us. It's going to throw everything it can at us. But how is it actually going to try to change us? So if you guys are in Daniel 1, go ahead and look at verse 3 with me. 3 and 4. So verse 3 says, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Children, and I want to take a second to stop here to explain, okay, why does this chapter actually relate to high schoolers? How do we know that Daniel was 17 years old in this chapter? So the word children, and I'm not a huge Hebrew or Greek fan. You have everything you need in the English King James Version of the Bible. Everything you need. But the Hebrew word for children in this chapter is also used for young man throughout your Bible. And it refers to kids from 13 to 17. Now, almost every single one of you guys, or if not every single one of you guys, is 13 to 17 year old, years old in this room today. And another reason why I put Daniel as exactly 17 years old is because James Usher, who is a chronologist, it's the chronologist we typically use for dates, at our church, it's also the chronologist. If you have center column refer references in your King James Bible, those dates come from James Usher. And he had Daniel born in 623 in B.C. And we know for a fact that Daniel chapter 1, because Israel was besieged, it happened in 606, which would have made Daniel 17 years old. So I wanted to get that out of the way and kind of explain that. But pick up back in verse 4. It says, Children, in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge and understanding. So Daniel was a standout kid. He was wise, he had understanding, he had knowledge. Which, how are you guys doing in that area? All right, Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom with all thy getting, get understanding. Are you guys pursuing wisdom like Daniel would have been? And such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the learning in the tongue of the Chaldeans. So the first way this world is going to try to change you, it's going to try to change your thoughts. Right? They were trying to teach Daniel the learning and the language of the Chaldeans. This world wants to teach you how to think, what you learn and what your view of this world is. Can I get one volunteer to turn to Proverbs 
Andy, go ahead, go to Proverbs 16.3. Everybody else, look up on the screen. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Right? We're in this world, not of it. We're not supposed to be like this world. But look, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, when you become like this world, you're not going to be like God. Through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, you guys are at school, and there's obvious things that this world is trying to teach you on how to think. Evolution, as I mentioned previously, what to think about sexual perversion, homosexuality, things like that. Um, what about relationships? But it goes beyond the obvious thing. Abortion is another one I think of. They're trying to change the way we think. They try to change our morals. But do you guys really not think that even out of, outside of school, that the shows we watch social media constantly scrolling, the music we listen to doesn't affect the way we think. Mm -hmm. Everything we do, this world is trying to change us. Do we let those things affect us? Psalms 1-2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now verse 1 is talking about the blessed man who is planted by the rivers, right? He's like a tree planted by rivers of water. And yet, verse 2 says that he meditates on God's word day and night. If we don't want this world to change our thoughts or the way we think, you know what we need? We need God's word. So, if you were to look at your life on a daily basis, what do you think about more? Do you think about the things at school? Do you think about sports? Do you think about how many likes you're getting on social media or what your friends think about you? Do you think about your friendships and relationships, which might be good things, but do you think about them more than God? Because a blessed man is constantly thinking about God. He's meditating on his word day and night. I think about Daniel and the situation he would have been in. His world was completely changed, and yet he had his mind on God, as we'll see. Andy, you're in Proverbs 16.3. Go ahead and read it. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. If we want our thoughts to be righteous and to be thinking about God and not the things of this world, we need to be committing our works to Him. So how's your thought life going? Are you constantly reading God's Word? Are you praying daily? Are you serving? Because if we're committing our works to Him, we're going to be thinking about those works. And we're not going to be thinking about this world. Next, we see the world is going to try to change your speech. Look at the end of verse 4 again. It says, In whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So they tried to change the way that Daniel talked. Could I get one volunteer to turn to Ephesians 4.29? Caleb, go ahead. Everybody else, look up at the screen with me. It's Luke 6.45. It says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Where your heart is is going to be what you're talking about. So if you were to look at your life on a daily basis, do you speak about the things of the world more, or do you speak about God more? And I understand, right, on a daily basis, there's a, you're going to spend more time doing other things than reading the Bible. God doesn't expect us to read our Bible 12 hours a day. 
But God's word should affect our thought process. It should affect our speech. 1 Peter 4.11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. That's God's word. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. This verse really hit me when I was going through this study. If there's anything I should be speaking about, it's God's word. And on a daily basis, I don't speak about it enough whether it's to my family, to my brothers and sisters in Christ, or to the lost world. All right, when's the last time you talked about the Bible with the person sitting next to you? Compared to the last time you spent hours talking to them about things not of the Bible. Where's your speech at? Ben, go ahead and read Ephesians 4.29. Or not Ben, Caleb. My bad, Ben. Caleb, read Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of identifying that it may minister grace unto the hearing. So not identifying is edifying, but that's mass and education. So, yeah. Um, but we shouldn't have any corrupt communication coming out of our mouth. Right, you guys are at school every day. The, thing, the things that this world speaks is utter garbage. The things we watch, the TV shows, the music we listen to. How many cuss words do we hear all the time? What about the subjects they're talking about? Right? This world is infiltrating our mind. It's going to affect our speech. And yet we shouldn't have anything corrupt proceeding out of our mouth. Why? So that we can edify one another. That's another thing that hit me this week that really challenged me. Was how often do I actually edify my brothers and sisters in Christ? How often does my speech edify them? Right, I asked you, how often do you speak about the things of God with the person you're sitting next to? When's the last time you actually encouraged, godly encouraged somebody, the, the person that you're sitting next to? Right, we're in this together. We can't overcome this world by ourselves. We can through Jesus, thankfully, but we need each other. Why do we think that as a youth group, we can go through, go to school every day, get beat up by the world, and not lean on each other? Not lean on God's word and then talk about it with each other. So where are your guys' thoughts at? Where is your guys' speech at? Next, the world is going to try to change your name. You guys turn back to Daniel. Or I guess Caleb turned back to Daniel. But look at verse 6 and 7 with me. We'll get back to verse 5 in a little bit. But verse 6 says, Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Babylon did not want Daniel and his friends to be associated with God. They wanted to change their name completely. Daniel's name actually means God is my judge, and yet Belteshazzar means Baal's prince. This world might not try to change your literal name, but it's going to try to change your identity. Who you associate with. Are you associating with God or are you associating with this world? Look at Galatians 2.20 with me. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? Corey hits on it over and over again. You guys are in Christ if you've received Jesus as your Savior. 
That's who we find our identity in. Our life is no longer ours, it's His. So why do we identify with the world more than we identify with God? It's backwards. We're allowing the world to change us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Think about the day when you got saved. You became a new creature. You had a new identity. You're no longer identifying with this world. You're identifying with God. You're His. And we forget that. I forget that daily. We forget about what Jesus did for us and who we are in Him, and how He values us, and we want to be valued by the world. We want to be valued by our lost friends, or we want to be valued by the amount of likes we get on social media, or about the amount of views we get, or what people say about us, and not about what God says about us. Because if we just found our value in what God says about us, we would have a lot less issues in our lives. I think back to Ephesians where I looked at it, but God who is rich in mercy... Right? He loved us. No matter what you go through on a daily basis, no matter what this world throws at you, you should be able to go back and rely on the fact that God still loves you and not forget that. Find your value in Him, not in this world. And then final sub-point under point number two is the world is going to try to change your fruitfulness. Now, go back up to verse 3 in Daniel chapter 1. It says, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs. Now, can anybody in this room tell me what a eunuch is? Andy, I saw your hand, but we'll, we'll wait. Does, it, does anybody know what a eunuch is? No? Okay. Andy, do you know what a eunuch is? They really don't know. Nobody's raising their hand unless you're shy. Corey's talked about this. Caitlin knows. Caitlin, you know? I All right, what? What? Let Andy answer. No, Caitlin, go ahead. We're going to put pressure on you. No. Okay, everybody's shy. All right, I'll explain what a eunuch is. So a eunuch is somebody who could not be physically fruitful. They couldn't have kids. In Babylon's case, the reason they did this was they would have neutered or castrated all these young men so that they could stay focused on their studies, stay focused on their work, and stay focused on Babylon and its empire. Right, to stay focused on the world. They tried to change Daniel's fruitfulness, and his physical fruit and fruitfulness they did change, but they didn't change his spiritual fruitfulness. And going back 10 or 20 years, it's a lot less evident that this world is trying to change our physical fruitness, fruitfulness like it was Daniel, but today, that is completely different. The world is openly trying to change your physical fruitfulness, whether it's through homosexuality, whether it's through transgenderism, and offering surgeries to kids. And I'm not going to go down a rabbit trail on this subject, um, but just be aware, right? We need to be aware the world's trying to change us. This world is trying to change your peers so that they can't be physically fruitful anymore. Right? The first commandment in the Bible is be fruitful and multiply. And yet look at what this world is doing in the open. But it's also going to try to change your spiritual fruitfulness. And it's going to do that through changing your thoughts, your speech, and your name. It's going to do that by taking you away from God's Word. And yet John 15, 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. It is our job to be fruitful for Jesus. To bear much fruit through evangelism and discipleship. So how 
active are you guys in evangelism and discipleship? If you were to look back on your life, what fruit do you actually have? Is your fruit for God, or is it for the things of this world? And that leads us to point number three, which is more than meets the eye. And I found it no coincidence last week at work, I was listening to Romans 11, the podcast I try to keep up with you guys and Corey teaching. And he went back and mentioned church history. And what, less than a year ago, we were doing church history in here, which is kind of crazy. But we learned through the church history class that the theme of the Bible is the battle for the what? The throne, right? It's the battle for God's throne. And yet look back in verse 3 with me. It says, And the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed. Now, do any of you guys have a guess as to why that's important? If you're looking at it through the perspective of church history where it's a battle, God is making his plans, he's doing things, the devil is reacting and countering, why is it important? Why is king's seed mentioned in this verse? It's okay if you guys don't know, but I just wanted to see if anybody had a guess. Jack? Because Jesus uh, is the son of David. Son of David, you're you're getting really close, right? And David was a king. Yeah. Right? So if the devil can take Babylon and conquer Israel, make all the king's sons eunuchs, can Jesus come from a king? No. No. Right? Jeremiah... 23, 5 and 6 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Jesus had to come from David's lineage, and he had to be a king, born of a king. You see that also in Isaiah 9, 6. I put on your guys' study sheets, Matthew 1 and Luke 3. We're not going to turn there, but those are the lineage of Jesus through Joseph and Mary. And God kept intact that, God, that Jesus was born from the lineage of David. He was the root of David. But how was he born of a king? If the king's lineage is stopped back in Daniel by the devil, how in the world is Jesus born of a king? Because Joseph wasn't a king. Was Jesus born of Joseph? No. He's born of God. Psalms 47, 6 and 7 says, Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises unto our King, sing praises for God is the King of all the earth, sing ye praises with understanding. I could only think, right, and this is just me thinking how awesome God's Word is, but going into Daniel 1, Israel gets captured, and God prophesied that Israel was going to be captured by Babylon because of their sin. And so the devil's like, oh yeah, I'll fulfill God's prophecy. I'll use Babylon to capture right, Israel. But he's like, I got this plan that they're going to capture Israel, and I'm going to stop the Messiah's lineage of being a king. And it happens, and the devil's probably like, I win. And yet, how great is our God? That the devil takes an entire nation, takes their entire king's seed, stops it, and yet God still has a plan. He still fulfills his prophecies. How amazing is our God? How amazing is our book, the Bible? That in this chapter about Daniel, about just some kids, you have deep doctrinal things like this. This just lights up my eyes. I love God's word because of things like this. And yet, it goes further. All right, now let's apply it to us. 
or in the battle for the throne. And ultimately, we know that God's going to win, right? Jesus is going to sit down on his throne. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And yet, the world cared so much about stopping God's throne that they were willing to conquer an entire nation. The prince of this world, the devil, is willing to try anything to stop God's throne, right? We already looked at the world is, try- is willing to try anything to stop you from bringing glory to God. Why don't we care about the throne as much as the world does? This world hates God. It will try anything it can to stop Jesus from sitting on the throne. And yet, daily, we do nothing about it. This world is outworking us in the battle for the throne. And should be ashamed to us. I think about Christians, right? In the Bible, God uses oxes or oxen as a picture for Christians. And for the world, or the lost people, he uses a picture of a donkey. And an ox is supposed to be hard workers, right? We should be hard workers, and yet the devil is taking a team, and not to insult lost people or anything, but he's taking a team of donkeys and outworking a team of oxen. That's us. We have to get in the game. Not that it's a game, it's so much more than a game, but it's also so much more than our daily lives. Right? If this is going on in Daniel 1, how much more do we think is going on now? This picture is so much more than us. It's about Him. Right? We find our identity in Christ positionally through salvation. Why don't we daily? And so I'm going to ask you guys this question, and you're going to be like, okay, this has nothing to do with this lesson, and you might be right. How many of you guys have seen Kung Fu Panda? All right, everybody. What about, like, was there three or four of them now? What about the second one? I love that movie, right? You guys have seen Kung Fu Panda too. It's a great movie. I want to show you guys this video. Because I was up last night, and to be honest, I have no idea where this is going. So if this turns out a nightmare, it's okay. But I thought of this for some reason. I'm like, all right, I'm putting this in the slideshow. And if you could, everybody will have to be quiet because I couldn't figure out the sound through the TV. So it's going to come through my computer. Awesome. Come on! Whatever happened to being heroes? The only hero in this town is the dead one. 
I said. You are not getting me out of the cell. Huh. Yes! <laughs> Woohoo! All right, let's go! I get the top bunk. It's time to surrender, Panda. Kung Fu is dead. I... You... Kung Fu is dead. Fine! You stay in your prison affair, with bars made of hopelessness, and all you get are three square meals a day of shame. With despair for dessert. We'll take on Shen, and prove to all those who are hungry for justice and honor that Kung Fu still lives. Yeah. All right. So I watched that video, and it made me think of this. All right, Kung Fu Panda 2, you have... Poe and his friends, right, going to save the world from Lord Shen, the peacock. And Poe goes and rescues Master Ox and Master Croc from a prison cell. And yet, they don't want to leave. Jesus rescued us from a prison cell. He rescued us from our sins. And yet, how often, when he comes to save us, he's like, hey guys, we have this mission. We have the battle of the throne. You need to bring glory to me. We have lost souls we need to go and reach. And yet we just want to sit in ourselves. Nothing will get us out of there. God will continually show you things through his word, and yet we keep on walking back in because we're afraid. We're afraid that this world's weapons are going to hurt people or it's going to hurt us. And yet it comes to the end where Poe is like, fine, you got to stay in your cell and you'll get shame and despair. If we don't start fighting for the throne... What's going to happen on Judgment Day at the Judgment Seat of Christ? Mind, that thought crosses my mind all the time. If we allow this world to change us and we don't get in the fight, when we stand before God on Judgment Day, you know what we're going to have? Shame and despair. Because we let this world change us to where we're afraid and we just want to fit in. We want to sit in our comfy cells instead of go with our Savior who gave His life for us and get in the fight, and get in the mission. And for some reason on the podcast, I hope you guys could hear that video, but if not, it's uh, Kung Fu Panda 2, Master Croc, and Master Ox jail scene. So look it up if you guys want to. But I see that video, and man, it's so much more than us. There's so much more than meets the eye in God's word, but also in the mission that we have. And this leads us to point number four. So we know the world is going to try to change us, we know how it's going to try to change us. We know why, but how can we actually change the world? Look in Daniel with me, chapter 1, and look in verse 8. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. But notice, did Daniel stand up against learning about the Chaldeans or their language? Did he stand up and throw a fit when they tried changing his name? No. Right? It's not wrong for you guys to go to school. As much as you guys might not like it, going to school is not wrong. Right? Learning a different language or different words is not wrong. Right? If somebody calls you names... Right? It's not wrong. It wasn't wrong for Daniel. It's not wrong for us. When it's wrong is when we learn about this world, when we learn a new language, or we find our identity in this world. And we don't use those things for Christ. When you go to school and you learn, think about how you can use those things for God's glory. 
If you were to learn a new language or new words, instead of using them to insult others or corrupt communication to come out of your mouth, use that new language to bring glory to Christ or use the fact that you're not speaking those words to be a testimony. Or if you guys aren't cussing at school, I remember in high school, people talk to me about that all the time because it stands out. So it's not wrong for us to go to school. It's not wrong to learn a new language. It's not wrong when other people call us names. We shrug it off, find our identity in Christ because ultimately they hate him, not you. But it was wrong for Daniel to change his diet. All right, on your guys' study sheet, I put some verses in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy. You guys can look those up later. But it was wrong for Daniel to eat pork or to drink wine. Now, wine is a different subject. We won't get into that today. But is it wrong for us to eat pork? No, right? We, can, we have liberty in Christ, as we saw in Galatians. We can eat what we want. But what about our spiritual diet? This world is trying to change our spiritual diet. And are we just going to back down? Are we going to purpose in our hearts to continue to obey God? Because Daniel, for him, eating that food would have been wrong. For us, not getting in God's word, it's going to be wrong. And look back at verse 5. It says, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. So nourishing them three years, we'll get to that in a minute, that the end thereof they might stand before the king. Do you guys have a purpose in your heart to stay in God's word? Or do we surrender to the world? Because Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Right? We already saw in Proverbs 17.3 that God is trying our hearts. We saw in... A, what's the reference? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, a... Uh, Luke 6.45, that was the reference, right? That out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Right? The world is ultimately going for your heart. Yeah. In Proverbs 4.23, if you don't have this verse memorized, memorize it. Everybody should have this verse memorized. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The issues in your life come from your heart. And we're commanded to keep our heart. Well, how do you keep your heart? Your spiritual diet. God's word and prayer. Right? We can partake in the things of this world to bring glory to God, but we can, what we cannot allow the world to change is our spiritual diet. Because without it, we're not going to be able to keep that purpose in our heart. Look, turn, you guys are already in Daniel, turn to chapter 9. Because Daniel is a good example of this. We saw in verse 5, it says, So nourishing them three years. Daniel purposed in his heart, but he had to keep that purpose in his heart. Right? It doesn't, wasn't just a day where it's like, oh man, I'm purposing in my heart to stand up to the king and tomorrow I'm just going to forget it. No, Daniel was actively keeping his heart and keeping that purpose in it. Look in Daniel chapter 9. Look at verse 2. It says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books, that's the Bible, the number of years where, of the, word by, where the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Daniel was in God's Word. Not only did he read it, he studied it. He studied prophecy. You guys are going through how to study the Bible on Sunday mornings. How often are you guys studying your Bible? Verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And from 3 to verse 23, Daniel prays. We're not going to read all that tonight, but Daniel was actively reading God's Word. 
He was actively praying. Go ahead, turn back to Daniel chapter 1. And you saw this in Daniel in the lion's den. Right? Daniel openly prayed in front of the world because he had purpose in his heart, but he was keeping his heart. So where is your heart at? Do you have purpose in your heart for the things of God to be in his word? To commit thy works unto him so your thoughts are established? And it takes time and commitment. That's your guys' next bullet point. Right? It took Daniel three years. Yeah, we got time. Go ahead. Look at verse 9. Originally, I planned on only going 1 through 8, but we're going to walk through the rest of the chapter quickly. Um, and I don't have bullet points for you guys, so if something stands out to you, just write it down. But verse 9 says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. If you purpose God in your heart to obey him, he's going to bring you into favor and tender love. But notice how it was the prince of the eunuchs. It was Daniel's authorities. Which leads me to ask, how is your testimony in your relationship with your authorities? If I were to talk to your guys' youth group leaders, what would they say of you? What is your testimony with them? What about your teachers at school? Do you have a good testimony with them? Because Daniel had purpose in his heart, and he was brought into favor and tender love with the Prince of the Eunuchs. This one's a little bit more tough, but what about your parents? I don't know all your guys' family situations, but there's a reason why the Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother, and children obey your parents. You might not have the best relationship with your parents, whether they're lost or saved, but if we're simply willing to obey God and purpose in our heart, our relationship should be decent with them. Verse 10, And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. When Daniel purposed in his heart to obey God, the prince of the eunuchs was afraid. Not Daniel. If you purpose in your heart to obey God, the world will fear you. Because they are afraid of Christians who are actually living out God's word. They're afraid of God. Verse 11, Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. So the first trial was ten days. Daniel kept his heart purposed for ten days. Look at verse 13. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. And look at this. And at the end of the ten days, their countenances appeared fatter, or fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which should eat the portion of the king's meat. If you purpose in your heart to obey God, he's going to bless you above what this world can give you. Verse 15, at the end of the 10, or no, verse 16, Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. And as for these four children, now back in verse 8, Daniel was the only one to purpose in his heart. When you purpose in your heart to obey God, it affects others. That's your guys' bullet point. Your heart will impact others. It will impact your family. It will impact the person sitting next to you. Which is a youth group, if we're in this as a team, where your heart at not only affects you, it affects everybody else. And that should concern us. That should motivate us. We need each other. Hebrews 3.13 is been a verse that's been on my heart a lot. It says, but exhort one another daily while it was called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. 
if your heart is in this world and it's in the wrong spot, it might lead others to sin as well. But Daniel purposed in his heart and it led his friends to obey as well. Your testimony matters. The way you act around each other matters. Pick back up in verse 17. It says, As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king said he should bring them in, that's three years according to verse 5, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued, he kept on doing these things, even unto the first year of King Cyrus. The things that God has to offer you are ten times better than what this world has to offer you. We just have to simply submit our hearts to him. And then your final point, and we're going to conclude here. We must be bold. Daniel was bold. If we want to change the world, we have to be bold. But boldness without wisdom is going to get us in trouble. There we go. Matthew 10, 16 says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Right? We want to be bold so we can change the world, but we don't want to be idiots. If you guys go to school tomorrow, pumped up, and you're like, man, I'm going to change the world, I'm going to make an impact for Jesus, and you take a megaphone, and you walk around the hallways quoting scripture, what do you think is going to happen? It's probably not going to go well. If you go to the mall, right, when we go witnessing, if I took a box and stood up on it and started screaming, you bet within two minutes I'm out of there because of security. Right? We need boldness, but we don't need to be dumb. Jesus told us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves in this world. So boldness, we also need wisdom. But Daniel, your subpoint, was bolder than a king. Right? Daniel stood up to Nebuchadnezzar. He wasn't afraid of the highest authority in the world at that time. Nebuchadnezzar was king of all the world. He led a world empire, and yet Daniel was willing to stand before him. And the same with his friends. Right, they were thrown into the fiery furnace, standing up to the king. That's the next, or the next point is bolder than lions. Right, Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel wasn't afraid to be thrown in a pit with lions because he trusted God. He trusted that if he purposed in his heart and obeyed God, God would protect him. Right? Daniel's friends were bolder than fire, the fiery furnace. They were willing to go into a fire to obey God. Do we have that boldness? And I think of fires, right? I put Deuteronomy 4, 24 and Hebrews 12, 29 in your guys' study sheet. Um, and that refers to God being a consuming fire. But when I think of fires, nothing stops a fire. Right? I think of forest fires. Right? They spread, they burn down hundreds of miles. And the only way we can really slow them down is two ways. Number one, getting rid of fuel. Right? They'll dig ditches, they'll cut down all the trees, they'll actually set up miniature fires so that that fire that's spreading has no fuel. And the other way they control them is through water. Right? They'll direct the fire away by spraying them with water. Well, if our boldness is to be a fire, if we're to be bold as a fire, there's only two things that should stop or control our fire for the Lord. One, our fuel runs out, we die. Or two, water is the only thing that should control our fire and our boldness for God, our zealousness for Him. 
the living water that you guys are holding in your laps tonight is the only thing that should control your passion and your boldness for God. It's the only thing. And yet, we let this world change us and hinder our boldness all the time. It can't be that way. If we want to make an impact on this world, if we want to win the battle for the throne and bring glory to God, the only thing that can control our minds, not our minds, our lives and our hearts is God's Word. So, in conclusion, although Daniel's world was changed, and it completely was, he got brought to a different country, he was taught different things, different language, he was physically changed, he didn't allow the world to change him. He didn't allow the world to change him spiritually or him standing up for God. Daniel literally changed all of world history. Right? I encourage you guys to read the whole book of Daniel this week. It's an amazing book. There's so much in it. Andy knows that from going through JBI. Daniel changed all of world history. So it's time for us to do the same. Don't let the world change you. Go change the world for Christ.